You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Second down and 12. Brady with pressure. Out comes the football. Recovered by Golden. And Marcus Golden is going to reach for the touchdown. No flag. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Grump, I'm calling out all of you Yankee fans listening tonight. This is now war by Tampa Bay Rays, New York Yankees. That is next week. So before we get started talking about our pathetic Giants, I'm calling you all out. Uh, We had Bean... Bean brawls during the regular season, people throwing at each other, almost brawls. But now it's time for the playoffs and serious business. So let's just get that out of the way right now. I'm calling you all out. Let's go. Well, that's, you know, one way to start off a football podcast is to start by talking (laughs) about baseball. Um, The Giants are traveling out west to face off against the Rams in a beautiful new stadium that we don't get to see this year, which is unfortunate. That no one really gets to see this year, uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, Four o'clock game at SoFi Stadium in L.A. Um, A game that we, as a collective Giant fan base, I think had penciled in as a really tough game from the moment the schedule was released, right? Yeah, I mean, besides the fact that they're, you know, a playoff team and pretty darn good, we thought that where it was shaking out in the schedule after, you know, we had varying degrees in how the start would come out, but going out west, you know, would be a very difficult challenge. And obviously, we are not in the position we need to be in to face that challenge out there. So this is really one of those games where, you know, you are really uh, earning your badge and your stripes as a giant fan to watch yeah um and unfortunately i don't have a wedding party to go to tomorrow or whatever sunday so i don't have an excuse to turn the game off and i probably won't so i'm you know i've stocked my my liquor cabinet up yesterday so that i'm fully prepared for this game um in in all seriousness uh this, this this you know as if things couldn't get any worse for you know the Giants in terms of injuries, um, you know, relatively speaking, being that they're not a incredibly talented team, uh, but losing three safeties on a team that has very little depth. I mean, all three safeties and a fourth safety are injured. So, you know, to recap, Xavier McKinney has a broken foot that he sustained before the, the season started. Uh, Jabril Peppers, as of last week, uh, sprained his ankle. Um, they're hoping it doesn't appear to be a long-term injury, but he has not yet practiced. I would be absolutely stunned if he plays in any capacity on Sunday. Julian Love has an ankle also. He's limited all the week. And Adrian Colbert still has not um, come fully back. He's been limited this week at least, though, uh, with a quad injury. And we're not talking about these guys being Ronnie Lott and, you know, the greatest safeties of all time to begin with. We're talking about guys who are lucky they're on NFL rosters. Not all of them. I, I Jabril Peppers is not lucky to be on an NFL No, roster. no, no I, I mean, like, if you're going to the back end of that oh, list. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but so I mean, it's, like, it, it's just the point, you know, it, even, even the depth is hurt. So we're really, really digging deep for the safeties on this game. Um, 
it's, so schematic it, schematically what do we do for something like this well, I mean, how see, do you here, here's the benefit of having a defense that is truly multiple and and a lot of defensive coordinators will say that they do multiple looks James Betcher certainly said that but it didn't very much look multiple what we've seen through three weeks and I don't want to blow the guy already um, but, but <laughs> Patrick Please Graham, don't. <laughs> Patrick Graham has truly uh, I would he surprised me I can't speak for every giant fan but I think that he surprised a lot of Giants fans with what he's been able to get out of this defense you know that that has um you know talent up front they've upgraded a couple of spots I, I think that James Bradbury is so far playing at a level above Janoris Jenkins was last year I'm not saying he's better but he's played outstanding Blake Martinez is far outplayed Alec Ogletree but you know there's serious deficiencies in the back end, and he's been able to cover them by moving people around, having people play in multiple positions, and really having a defense that appears confusing is difficult to read. Um, and you can use something like that to your advantage, but I think it only works so much. I mean, having two starting safeties out and then two backup safeties out is truly, 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 you know, there's not a whole lot. You really have to have. You, you know, you can scheme the best you can to disguise looks and stuff like that, but somebody's got to step up and play at a level that's unexpected of them. Good coaching, great coaching is the difference between elite teams and winning a Super Bowl. But good coaching cannot separate talent when you're just talking about regular season games and just teams. And, you know, we could have the greatest scheme of all time and the best play calling offensively or defensively, but when you don't have the talent, and you're going up, you know, you're going to lose and probably lose really badly. And I think that's unfortunately the problem. And likewise, uh, incredible talent can overwrite scheme. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with a Tampa 2 defense, but that Tampa Bay Bucks team that made it famous, they made no bones about what they were going to run. I mean, the whole world knew what the defense was going to be. They were just talented enough to just run it over and over and over. Yeah, I mean, you, you have John Lynch back there. You can do it. It's not a problem. So, you know, it really truly is a a thing that has to be, you know, in rare circumstances where you have extreme talent like that, you know, no amount of scheme is going to cover up um, a deficiency of talent of this magnitude. And, un- <laughs> and unfortunately in the NFL, it's not like baseball where you can make a trade in the middle of the season or call up a big prospect or, you know, get a free agent. This This is our roster. And this is what we have to deal with. The, you know, the scrap heap is the scrap heap and it gets, you know, depleted every week with other teams having needs. So, I mean, this is it. There's no magic pill that anybody can take or. Oh, but I'll try one on Sunday. Oh, yeah. At this point now. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And and not that I want to have a long conversation about this, but an offhand conversation, just an offhand comment here. Um Injuries four players deep at one position is not a fault of a general manager. It does not mean that the team was not constructed. <sighs> yeah, I mean yeah. It, it needs to be said, but I don't want to have a long conversation about it. But I mean, you can get. I mean, you have three promising players at safety between Jabril Peppers, a first round pick, Julian Love, who's played way above expectations at safety, at, at least my expectations, and Xavier McKinney, who many thought would be a first round pick, was taken at the high end of round two. You know, those are that's a significant investment of talent in a single position. It's unfortunate that all three are injured, despite not any of them having a an extensive injury history. So yeah, I mean, 
most I mean, again, we don't want to do this over and over and over again, but most of the uh, results of decisions that were made have been not of the fault of the, the decision, like the injuries and people getting arrested and all that type of stuff. That's, you know, we haven't seen that many decisions made by Gettleman where the guy just plain sucks. And it's like, well, that was a, you know, bad decision. The guy just didn't play well. I mean, even, even Nate Solder, you know, we're not going to go over through that again and again, but, you know, we all believe he was injured last year too. And that's not to make excuses, but it's not just that is a bad evaluator of talent. I mean, a lot of, you know, almost all the things that we're pointing fingers at and saying that was a flop, that was a bad move, that was a, were, you know, extraordinary circumstances beyond just why'd you get that guy? And injuries are the main part of things like that, so... Oftentimes, yeah. Um, the Rams are going through a little bit of their own injury situation. Um, you know, their their big running back still has not practiced. Acres, um, and their big guy in the middle, Joseph Day, has not practiced either. Uh, those things work to the Giants' advantage, but only in so much. You know, they've they've went out in the street and they've gotten Malcolm Brown uh, to to help Henderson in the backfield there, and they already have a very good defensive line. Namely, with Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers up there, uh, so you know an injury there against an offensive line that hasn't blocked anybody yet this year. That's not going to hurt them too much. Um, and I think Giant fans learned their lesson last week. Just because people show up on the injury report and are not playing does not guarantee anything. No, so. <laughs> not, especially not against a good coach, uh, yes. which Sean McVay seems to be. I mean. He's certainly not a bad coach. Um, I think it's still a little early to anoint him the way that media has. Um, I don't know. What do you think about McVay as a coach? As a head coach? I think he's a top-tier head coach. I think if you could take a very young Jared Goff to the Super Bowl, you're doing something right. It's not all luck and happenstance. I think you, you know, very smart guys who it seems to be the way this league goes, who are smart, offensively-minded coaches and think offense you know those guys who translate to head coaches those those guys are few and far between and i think he's one of those guys on that list where you know again he's still pretty young i mean how old is he is uh, he it's a little older than me <laughs> yeah i mean so that means he's pretty young <laughs> but um yeah i i think he's if he's not an elite coach he is definitely in the top Top ten percent of yeah. coaches in this league, for sure. Um, the Rams were handed their first loss of the season last year uh, in stunning fashion, I would say, to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the game was an absolute runaway for th- three quarters, and then um, two two fumbles by Josh Allen, and suddenly the Rams are right back in the mix. Um, that said, I think that. It, the the Bills were able to, despite being a much better team than the Giants are, uh, the Bills were able to expose some issues that the Rams have, um, and there are two issues uh, that that I have highlighted in the past, uh, and that is simply that their defense they've let slip a little bit since the last couple of years. Uh, some guys have moved away that I don't think have been uh, adequately replaced. Um, really, when you look at what was a fearsome pass rush the last couple of years, is really just Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd right now. I mean, there's not really big name guys 
coming off the edge for this team anymore. Yeah, they they loaded up and went for it. You know, that they their window was like a two year window, which was kind of strange considering they had such a you know a young quarterback, you know, the, a, a young core. But they decided they went they went heavy free agency, loading up on these guys, and then when these guys you know through cap cuts and, and free agency lost the guys, so it was kind of strange how you know that side of the ball was constructed a little bit. You know, thinking of the overall long term plan of this team. Yeah, and then on the other side of the ball, you know, for as great of an offensive coordinator and an offensive minded head coach as McVeigh is. Jared Goff still does these boneheaded things that he hasn't worked out of since his rookie year. Um, you know, McVay designs these great schemes where they just get into this offensive rhythm. And make no bones about it, I expect them to get into a serious rhythm against the Giants because it's just a, a very experienced offensive coach going against a, a very young defense that frankly is not very good. But he gets into this rhythm... And the Bills were able to disrupt that, you know. And what happens to Jared Goff, it seems, whenever his first two reads aren't there, he just seems to always throw into double coverage and do dumb things with the football. And I don't really understand it. He has time a lot of times, and he still just, you know, he just pulls a trigger, and it, it seems like he tries to force a decision that just isn't there. And that's that's something the Bills took advantage of, um, quite frankly. Jared Goff, this is Jared Goff's fifth year in the league i can't know i don't know if it's fourth or fifth yeah i mean for someone like that i think that's where you have to really learn to appreciate how great guys like patrick mahomes truly is where you know when they come out of the gate in you know year two and they can do the things that they do it seems like they never have a bad decision you know they never have a bad throw you know and everybody kind of you know starts to make comparisons of like, well, why aren't you doing as well as Mahomes does or something? Uh, you know, Jared Goff is a good quarterback in this league. He he was a, a number one overall pick. Um, but it just, it really reminds you that it takes a long time in this league to become really good. You know, to become a level of like, you know, an Aaron Rodgers type where you're, you're making smart decisions all the time, making the right throws, the right reads. It takes... It takes time. It takes years. So, you know, Jared Goff is still making some of those mistakes. And, you know, we think it's like, wow, he's never going to be good. But remember, he's still only like 25. It's still, you know, he still has more time and maturing and experience needed in this league to be really good. But to your point, you know, if the Giants have any shot of making this game competitive, you know, forget winning, we have to make as many opportunities as we can for Goff to put himself in a position to make a mistake, a mental mistake. And, you know, a physical mistake would be great, but, you know, make him look at his third read, you know, force him out of the pocket, make him do things that he's not comfortable doing. And we're seeing green shoots of a pass rush on this team that we might be able to make a couple of times, make it uncomfortable for him. He makes that one mistake and we can be in business. Yeah. So, um, that really is something you asked earlier. You know, what do you do schematically to to overcome, um, you know, injuries in the in the secondary, whatever? I mean, schematically, maybe you just get some pressure. I mean, when I say that some guys have to play at a level that's not expected of them, you know, I mean the guys playing the position, but also, you know, if if a pass rush really comes in, 
nothing really can get downfield. Um, you know, and what I what I see a lot of from the McVay offense is a lot of attempts to run, and then a lot of play like a ton of play action off of that. Um, and then I, it seems like almost every time that Goff is in the shotgun, it's really not even a play downfield. They're screens. Um, so a disciplined team and a good pass rush can do a lot against this offense. Um, but again, the Giants are going to have to play at a level that they have not played at yet at the defensive line. And they have been much better than the previous years. I mean, this team already has nine sacks. I mean, that... I mean, it's certainly not an amazing number, but for this team, we haven't seen a pass rush like this yet. You know, from from this this Dave Gettleman era. Yeah. Um, no. And I and I went through the numbers, and they've been getting steadily better. I mean, we're only three games in, so I went through the 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 first three games of each years of uh, Gettleman's time with the team, and they've gotten better. It went, I think, went four seven, and then this year nine sacks. Um. And they seem like they're they're not just sacks on an all-out blitz or just someone who was just not accounted for and just got to the quarterback and sacked them. I mean, it seems like they are, you know, a result of cohesive line play. Yeah, I mean, sometimes there's a blitz, but they're they're not they're like you said, they're not all-out blitzes that are getting home. They're you know, it's it's Blake Martinez and he takes advantage of really good line play that allows him a gap to shoot through. You know, Leonard Williams has two sacks. That's not due to any craziness. You know, that's just good play up front. And I you can't talk. You, I know you can't talk allowed. positive about Leonard Williams because no, you know that's why we're firing uh, Gettleman. So yeah. strike that. <laughs> but but the, but the three guys up front. You know, Leonard Williams came to this team last year. You know, tore on on the back half of the season. You know, they have now had time to work together. You know, they've had that experience from last year. They've had what little bit of training camp they were allowed to have. And it seems like they're building something. The three guys on the inside with, with Lawrence, Tomlinson, and, and Williams. And not even that. I mean, there is, I would say, a good rotation. And fresh legs definitely helps a pass rush. You know, they have guys like Kyler Fackerel and Marcus Golden subbing in and out. You don't have the same guys playing 98% of snaps anymore. Um, stuff like that really helps. And, and you know, depth, you can't just build depth in a year. So it, It's the best unit on the team. I would say so, yeah. I, and, you know, again, the bar may not be the highest in the, in the world, but, you know, for this team, that is the, the best unit. It's the deepest unit. And it's been so far the most consistent unit. Uh, you know, what will make you know, this defense go is, you know, you get better play inside out the rest of the way, you know, linebackers play better, get healthier at safeties, maturation of your other quarterbacks and stuff, but that's going to take time. But, you know, for a team, what we're trying to build inside out, you know, starting with the defensive line, starting with those guys up front, that's a good base to build this team. The question is going to be, you know, how long do we keep this core together? Because the giants have a history of not re-signing you know, defensive tackles to long-term deals. So it's always going to be a constant, you know, replenishment of this talent. On the flip side of the ball, the Giants are going to have to figure out what to do against all-pro talent Aaron Donald. Um, Aaron Donald is one of those rare guys who, from the moment he entered the league, he took over as, you know, one of the best players in the entire league. And he's... Just continued to do that. You know, guys like J.J. Watt, we talk about a lot. as, But he's really fizzled out. 
Um, he's had injuries. Yeah, he's had injuries. You know, he's also been in the league for a long time. But he's getting old. Yeah. Even even when we we played against JJ Watt, it felt like we could key against him and he would get a sack. Aaron Donald really just takes control of the game. And I mentioned two fumbles by Josh Allen. It's mostly due to Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the one play, I mean, he just simply grabbed Josh Allen by the chest and swung him in a circle, <laughs> and he just slammed his arm against his own lineman and dropped the ball. I mean, he, he, he I, Giants fans aren't going to want to hear this, but sometimes it just looks like Lawrence Taylor. Uh, you know, he just is the most athletic guy on the field. He's the quickest, and he looks like the strongest. Um, I don't know what you do against that when you can't execute a simple running play. <laughs> but they're going to have to figure that shit out. I mean, that's <laughs> that's what we just have to do. There's nothing we really, really can do about it. There's going to be no magic, you know, all pro left tackle coming in to save the day or something. It's we, You just got to game plan around them. You know, you got to just go in the opposite direction. You have to do things to kind of trying to confuse them. And I don't think we can do that. So it's going to probably be a very long day. Uh, you know, this is where Daniel Jones has to show some growth. And when he in- faces, you know, an incredible pass rush, when he is, you know, in the clutches of a, a, a guy like him, hold on to the ball. I mean, it sounds silly and it sounds like, well, duh, but we need, ba- we need to start seeing baby steps from Daniel Jones. And if he comes out of this game, we may lose forty to two, but if if we could see a uh, a stat sheet where he was clean and he didn't have any forced fumbles, you know, uh, you know, didn't throw any picks that were blatantly his fault or something caused due to a, a pass rush or due to a poor decision, that's a win, and that's something we. Those are the type of things, quite frankly, are really the only reasons we're watching the rest of the season is to see how this team is growing and developing. So that's kind of the game within the game we have to watch. We have to kind of recalibrate what are wins and losses as fans. And, you know, taking, taking this a step out, you know, a step backwards and looking at just the Giants and not the Giants against the Rams here is, you know, we talked about doing this kind of thing and looking at this year through that lens, right? A, a An introspective look from game to game. You know, we said that it doesn't really matter if they they have to learn how to run block something and it doesn't really matter if they're going to go up against the 85 bears or the 2018 giants uh, you know they've got to figure out how to run block and they have to keep trying and you can't go every single game going well we can't run block we'll have to think of something else no you have to learn i mean for the most part you know we hope that will hernandez is a starting quality left guard. We hope that Andrew Thomas is the left tackle of the future. We hope that Nick Gates is a guy who can come in and not embarrass himself. We hope that Kevin Zeitler is a guy who is our starting right guard. You know, these guys have to learn. You know, if they can't, if they never learn, if they never go, even if they go out there and they fuck everything up, and then they, at least there's some film for them to look at and see what they're doing wrong. Running seven times a game that's not going to cut it. You're not going to get better. And this team needs to start looking at how it can get better and not how it can win games. Sometimes you just got to walk before you can run. And I know that's a shitty thing to think about week four, but I, I don't know what else to say. You can't go four weeks of just running the ball ten times. Well, 
also, you know, we have been very lenient and given a, a big pass for, well, there was no off season. They haven't had time to work together, practice together, you know, be with the coaches. But guess what? We're now getting into week four and week five. And that forgiveness of they haven't worked together, they didn't have an off season, that's going to start to fade. And they are playing together now and they are practicing. They are in the coach's room. They are, you know, getting instruction. So you're right. We, we, you have to start seeing something. You can't just say, oh, well, there's no off season. So this is the way it is. And everybody gets a free pass and we'll see you next year. I mean, you know, this is the, uh, where we are? this is week four. And, you know, that means it's a month of playing and prep- preparing for games. Uh, we should be kind of like about almost like where week one is in real life. So, you know, we need to start seeing something, you know, something of that these guys can prove they can learn and they can get better with reps, you know, and that reps are from Tuesday to Friday in addition to Sunday. Um, it's kind of, let's see it time. For real. And, you know, quite frankly, when I look at this Rams team, you know, I, I'm taking a step back to look at what the Giants can do better. Time to take a look forward. You know, the Bills had some success running the ball. I'm not going to expect the same thing from the Giants. I mean, they need to keep trying. If they get success, they get success. I'm not going to compare us to the Bills. But what I will say is that downfield, the guy to worry about is Jalen Ramsey. Who else is there to worry about? This isn't some great defensive secondary. They, If, if Jason Garrett has any intention of going vertical at all this season, this is a team to do it against. And um, I really hope that sooner rather than later, Jason Garrett dials up something that goes more than 10 yards down the field. You know, you know when you have somebody as really good as Ramsey on one side, you know, the safeties are going to cheat to the other side a little bit on, you know, a, a deep vertical pass. So this might not be the most opportune game to, you know, open up the offense and go more vertical. You know, I almost prefer having, two really good corners or two really shitty corners. That way you can kind of cause a little confusion. I mean, to me, it's just, you have a lockdown on one side, you're going to go the other way. And that's just going to make it easier for the defense to kind of uh, defend. So, yeah, I I mean, I guess so. I, I, I say, let the safeties cheat a little bit, you know, at least try something. Even if you can run the concept without actually letting go of the ball. You know what I mean? If you, if you at least have guys running downfield, it will keep defenses honest. You know what I mean? One double move, you don't have to make the throw. That corner knows he got beat, and that safety knows that he can't cheat because the corner got beat. Um, That's so, true. So, I mean, even if you run the concept, I mean, obviously Daniel Jones has to continue to be smart with the ball, etc., and this offensive line has to give him a pocket to work from. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, right. they just they got to run the concept. Something has to happen. I mean, we, we've talked already about how we think this might be an abbreviated playbook that's being given to Daniel Jones on, on training wheels in, in installations. You know, that's certainly possible. I hope that's the case because if this is the whole playbook, we're fucked. But, no, there's no, there's no way this is the whole playbook. Yeah. I mean, and, and it might be because not – again, with the abbreviated offseason, that might be just as much of a reason why the whole playbook isn't installed as it is – Daniel Jones being, you know, his 15th game or an offensive line they don't trust or or any other variable. So, yeah, this is not I mean, just watch the film of Dallas for the last several years and just compare. You don't automatically, you know, downsize that much because of, of, of a quarterback. And I, I think it's just, you know, these these offenses are getting to be so complex now in the NFL 
And, you know, if you don't have the proper time to install it, they'd rather just stick with their base plays. Um, and, 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 you know, throughout the course of this season, implement more and more. Because remember, you know, a coaching staff that's brand new, there's zero threat or worry about being fired, is looking at this as a multi-year plan. They don't have to have the entire offense installed by week six of year one. They are going, and they know that Daniel Jones is their quarterback for the foreseeable future. They know their jobs are safe for the foreseeable future. They're going to roll it out at a pace they feel comfortable that it is. And if there's losses along the way, you know, they have capital to work with. And, you know, at least from the owner and the GM, time. So keep that in mind too, Giant fans, that everything doesn't have to be ready for right now. That's not the time frame. The time frame you want it's not the time frame that ownership, GM, coaches are. Well, maybe ownership and coaches. GM might be a little different, but. <laughs> Prediction time. Cranky Van, how do you see the Rams taking on the Giants? Now, um, something to keep in mind is that way back in June when we did our way too early look, you had this as a loss in pen. This game is going to be a loss in Magic Marker. I mean, there is there is simply no way that this team that, you know, all the issues they have to resolve, all the injuries they have to deal with is suddenly going to get on a plane, <coughs> go to the West Coast and do anything against a, a legitimate playoff team in this league. It's, it's not going to happen. The question is going to be, you know, what little things do we see that we can build on for week five and six and beyond? Uh are we seeing, you know, we're going to be at the quarter pole after this game already, which is hard to believe that the season's a quarter old already. But, you know, we will be ready to start evaluating what's working, what's not working. And unfortunately, this is the worst possible scenario we can face right now is facing this team at this time. So this, you know, I, I see that's a team that's going to hold the ball. You know, we'll be severely outmatched in time of possession. Um, I, I look at this as probably a, a 35 to 10 loss. I had this as a loss in Penn way back in June. And I, it's funny, I said stuff back then that actually is uh, the same way I feel right now and certainly what it looked like last week against the Bills, um, that they're not as scary on defense and that even though Jared Goff is, is not really taking that extra step to become a top five quarterback in the league, my opinion, um, but nevertheless, it's just too much for the Giants to control on defense and on offense, and I feel the same way. In the past four weeks, I have taken up stone working, and I have put this as a loss in stone. Um, <laughs> it, it's just this is a team that is too good against a team that has no identity right now on offense. And on top of all of that, it's a team that can score quickly if needed, and it's a team that can control the clock if needed. It's a very good team they're going against, and I think best-case scenario, this is a game that's 38-16. to 16. Um, Question for you. That's kind of a stretch. Real quick, Grump, before we move on to our uh, division predictions and stuff. You know, a lot of times we talk about quarterbacks, and you are like, well, this guy's not a top five, this guy's not. Who are your top five quarterbacks? Just off the top of your head, um, Aaron Rodgers, I would say, is probably number two behind um, Patrick Mahomes right now. Is probably number one. 
you can probably throw Lamar Jackson somewhere in there around five. Um, I think Brady is still in the top five despite everything. Um, until until I'm actually shown that he isn't, you know, doing stuff, I still think he's a top five quarterback, even if he's, I would say, in the twilight of his career. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. That's how hard it is to be in the NFL. It's like oh, sure, it's yeah. very it's very easy to say, well, this guy's in a top five quarterback. It's very difficult to actually say who's a top five quarterback. And I have, I, I think those that's a very fair top five, and I think I'm pretty much aligned with you. Maybe might juggle a little bit between, but the point is those are the five elite ones, and I think there's a drop-off from those five. Uh, I have some breaking news as we're recording this on a Thursday night at 8.24 p.m. The New York Jets have just got a first down. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, back to the show. <laughs> um, it's still early in that game. You're saying that like it's the third quarter. I'm saying they got one period. There was 13 minutes and 28 seconds left in the first quarter. It was uh, third and two, and they got a, a quarterback sneak for a first down. I think that's breaking news. Huh. So congratulations to the New York Jets. Congratulations to the, uh, the Johnson family. Congratulations to Adam Gates. Congratulations to Sam Darnold. Well, maybe by 6 o'clock on Sunday, we'll have the Giants' first first down of the game. The moral of the story is, is as bad as we are, you know, misery loves company. So <laughs> that guy that guy who you work you in the – well, I would say in the cube next to you, but since we're in COVID, the guy is on the other end of your team's chat. He's probably just as miserable as you are. That's true. Now back to the show. And, and speaking of misery loves company, this uh, NFC East is a complete fucking mess, and we're going to go a quick – Round uh, around the clock here. Baltimore is facing Washington this week. What do you think? Uh, Washington. I think Washington now starts that. This is where they lose seven in a row, type of thing. So uh, Washington, uh, Baltimore, and Penn. Yeah, I'm I'm right with you there. There's not much more needs to be said about that. Cleveland goes to Dallas. What do you think of that? You know, uh, Dallas is a. Uh, Dallas is a civil right now. I'm not really sure what Dallas is. Uh, I know I can never trust Cleveland, period. And going into Dallas, I'll put I'll put Dallas in a pencil as a win. I'm going to put Dallas in pen. I, I think they just came they, – they really played a, uh, a great game against Seattle, lost in the closing seconds. I watched that on my phone at said wedding party. <coughs> um, so, <laughs> you know, they're still playing at a high level. They're just not getting results. I don't think Cleveland is is the type of team that's going to fuck that up, but it won't be an easy match. I say I say Dallas. Philadelphia heads to San Francisco. God, <laughs> I feel bad for the people in the Philadelphia market who are forced to watch that game. Well, no, I don't. Fuck them. Uh, there's no way that this Philly team's going out west and winning. I, no matter how bad. How banged up San Francisco is, you know. I think it's fool's gold that they won last week, considering they're playing a giant team that's a complete mess right now themselves. But asking Philly to go out west and win against a team that has a core of talent, uh, it's San Francisco and Penn. I, I'm I'm saying Philly and pencil. Um, Carson Wentz hasn't done anything to give me any confidence in him, but I, I think. I think it's really tough for San Francisco to follow up their performance against the Giants. You know, it's early in the season. They played a bad team. Philadelphia is playing hurt right now. Um, but I, I just, I don't know. It, it's it's really hard for me to say one way or another. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to go with the team that is a little bit 
um, less recently injured, a team that's dealt with the injuries for longer and seems might have a solution in place and some some level of figuring it out. I don't know. I'm not really positive on that one. I mean, that's not a horrible pick. I mean, it's you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they won. And you know, but I, I well, actually, I think it would surprise me since I said they would uh, they would lose in Penn. So um, you know, this is such a wacky year. I mean, the yeah. league is wacky anyway. You know, it's it. This league wasn't wacky. People would win millions of dollars gambling on it every year, and that doesn't happen. But you know, in this crazy 2020 year, ugh, this is really bad football, guys. Just uh, just check game. Uh, yeah, I, I I just I just can't see them going out there and winning. No. And that's going to do it for us. So we'll see you all on Sunday at four o'clock. In the meantime, you can see us on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump. I am the Cranky Fan. I'll be on Twitter. Uh, big news this week. I am actually getting out of the New York City area. I am dry, flying down to my beloved Gainesville to see the third-ranked Florida Gators play South Carolina. It's the first time I'm going to a uh, sporting event in person since March. Uh, just to let you everybody know, you know, just to – in case you were worried about me, which I doubt you all are, but also as a public service announcement that we will be taking every possible precaution necessary. Masks will be worn at all times. Our seats are socially distanced. We will be out of harm's way as much as we can. So if you see crowd shots this weekend of college football with people just packed around each other acting like assholes, that will not be me. I will just be an asshole on Twitter. Uh, And then, you know, obviously... I'll be talking about the Giants on Sunday when I get home. And next week we have baseball playoffs. So follow me on the Cranky Fan for all of that and less. And we'll see you all Sunday at 4 o'clock. For better or worse, go Giants. Go Giants.